Hey guys, welcome to Calvary HSM. We are a place where we want to make disciples who live and love like Jesus. So we hope you All right, enjoy everybody, while you grab a seat, uh, let me just say, gosh, it's good to be with you all. Did everyone have a good Christmas, I hope? Yes? If it wasn't, I hope New Year's Eve is far better. It was funny, I was hanging out with some of my best buds last night, and one of my buddies comes in with this hot take. He's like, I think New Year's Eve is better than Christmas to me. I was like, what? That's crazy. And then it dawned on me because he is the most type A person that I know. And I was like, it's because of all the goal setting, isn't it? He was like, yes, I love it. I love reflecting on the year before and setting goals for the year ahead. I was like, okay, that checks out. That makes sense. Um, Well, if I haven't had the privilege of meeting you yet, my name is Drew Walton. Uh, Hi. Um, And uh, similar to Aaron, today is my final day in a certain role. I am currently your associate high school pastor, have loved being your associate high school pastor. And as of tomorrow, I have the honor and the privilege of stepping into the role of being your high school pastor. Um, So very excited for that. I love you guys to pieces. We're going to have some fun. It's going to be a good time. Uh, Okay, I'm curious. The question of the week, I always need to know. um, Staying up to midnight tonight, is it worth it? In the yes camp, raise your hands. Yes, you're going to stay up to midnight and probably to one or two. Okay, let's do this. Keep your hand up uh, if you're staying up until midnight. If you think you'll, we'll see, we'll see. If you think, uh, keep your hand up if you think you'll still be awake at one. Okay. Keep your hand up if you think you'll still be awake at two. Okay. Three. Four. Five. We're getting dangerously close to sunrise, guys. Okay, some fives, six, <laughs> six, six, eight. Are you going to bed at all tonight? Probably not. Probably not. All right, respect. And what about? Okay, raise your hands if you are going to be well in bed and probably asleep when the clock strikes midnight. Hands oh, up. Anyway, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Guys, I used to. I used to be more exciting. I used to be like, a, let's stay up till sunrise. I will be in bed at like 9:30 tonight, you guys, and I am so proud of it. Uh, I love it. But for those of you um, who are gonna stay up all night, I hope you have a blast. I hope it is in fact worth it for you. I just heard about this thing this morning about eating grapes under a table. Is anyone planning to eat some grapes tonight <laughs> under a table? <laughs> it's a tradition. Oh. Yeah, it started in Spain. That's amazing. And, and why do you eat the grapes under the table? This is educational. I mean, I I just put you on the spot. My bad. We'll look it up and we'll get back to you on the grapes under the table tradition. Um, but that's exciting. Um, anybody setting resolutions? It's always the hotly contested debate of our resolutions, something that we're all going to do. Is anyone going to keep them? Are we not going to bother? Anybody a New Year's resolution guy or gal? Anyone? No, not a single resolution in the room? I feel like I, I set that up in a way that made everybody nervous. Anybody vehemently opposed to New Year's resolutions? Okay, so we're like in the middle on news resolutions, which is understandable, right? All of my gym bros, what happens in the beginning of January at the gym, right? It f- <laughs> the cuckoos come out. Um, everybody comes out, right? Like it's so crowded. The, 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 probably the most cliche New Year's resolution is like, I'm going to get fit. I'm going to take better care of my body. And everyone's really motivated. And then they're, they're like less people are motivated and then less people. And then within a month or two, it goes back to kind of the normal crowd that was already there before New Year's. Am I right? Right? But sometimes, anybody set a resolution last year and maintain it through the year? No. Can I put you on the spot? What was your resolution? 
Lean and jacked, I like it. Mission accomplished. That's a good one. Any other resolutions that we successfully achieved? Yeah. Working out more often, playing basketball. Playing basketball, I love that. Working out often, any other resolutions? Hockey, I love it. Gosh, a bunch of athletes in the room. I love it. Um, and I'm a, I'm a goal setting guy. I, I like the New Year's resolution sometimes feels like a cliche, but I think regardless, right, as we conclude a year, people are talking about resolutions. And even if you're in the camp of like, I'm opposed to New Year's resolutions, I would wager that at some point you've probably contemplated, like, how did the last year of my life go? Uh, and how do I want the next year of my life to go, right? Like, it's kind of one of those turning points, right? Like, tonight, 2023, for better or worse, is behind us. You will never have to experience it again. So if it was, like, the best year of your life, like, bless it, honor it, let it go in peace and move forward. If it was the worst year in your life, like, wash your hands, you're done. You don't have to do 2023 again, right? But as it concludes, as the clock strikes 12 tonight, 2023 is past, and you probably have a number of different feelings about what you experienced in the last year of your life, right? Like there are probably some really high points where you're like, that was amazing. Never did I think I would have an experience so great. Never did I think I would meet this person or find this friend group or join this team uh, or learn this new skill. Uh, maybe you're someone in the room who you're like, never did I ever think that I would be a church person, but I encountered Jesus and he radically transformed my life. And to that I say, praise God, right? Um, or maybe 2023, you look back at and you're like, you know, I <laughs> Never did I ever think I would make this choice that I promised I never would, and yet I did. Um, and maybe you're carrying a, a level of regret with you or a level of shame with you around based off of that decision. Maybe you fell back into an old pattern or got back with that guy or that girl. Uh, or maybe something fell apart in your life, maybe in your family or your friend group or things like that. And regardless of how the year went, 2023 is over and we're looking ahead to 2024, and I would wager, whether you want to call it um, a resolution or not, that you have some hopes uh, about how the next year will go, and maybe some goals, right? Like, and if we were to venture into the territory of resolution, maybe your resolution is something like, I want to make money. I've heard a lot of people, they're like, I need to figure out passive income this year. Anybody on the passive income program? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Love it. Uh, which is a great, great pursuit. I'm not scoffing at that. I think that's wonderful. What's that? You're lazy? No, nah, I don't believe that. I don't believe that for a minute. Um, but maybe for you, your resolution is like, I want to figure out how to steward money well. Like, I want to get better with money. Maybe you have a job and your money all, always seems to vanish. You're like, I worked. Where did the money go? Um, and it probably went to food or gas. Uh, I was hearing from one of you guys. I was like, how was your Christmas? He's like, it's, it was great, but I just spent all of my Christmas money on gas for my car. And it was like, oh, that's a bummer, right? Like maybe, maybe you want to learn how to like handle money a little bit better. Maybe you're like, I want to get on like a cleaner eating program. Maybe you've been like a, a standout on the Twinkie diet and you're like, yeah, I don't feel good when I eat only Twinkies. Maybe, maybe you're like, I want to eat a little better. Maybe you're like one of those people you're like, I swear so much and I want to like rein that in right like anybody ever done the like rubber band thing where it's like if you accidentally swear you have to snap yourself with a rubber band or like let your friend do it anyone ever did that I had a buddy in college who was like I'm gonna stop swearing and he's like you have my permission to snap me with the rubber band if I swear and we snapped him a lot um but may or maybe for you it's like I'm gonna get a job this year maybe that's the thing maybe it's I'm gonna get healthier right like maybe I'm gonna start 
um, walking more or running more or I'm going to start lifting weights. Uh, Maybe it's like I'm going to stop being so negative, right? Like maybe you just move through life and you're like looking for the worst possible read on a situation. Maybe you're just like not generous (laughs) with like your thoughts towards people or experiences that you have and you're just like always uh, looking for a way to be negative. And you're like, maybe I'm going to stop being so negative. Maybe you're going to start a business, right? Whatever that thing is, it's like I'm sure you have hopes Um, and dreams and aspirations and goals for 2024. Um, But if I could tell you what my hope for you in 2024 is, and my hope for me as well, it's simple. Um, And this will not surprise you. It should not surprise you given the context of where we are, but it's from my heart. My hope for you and for me in 2024 is that you and me would each experience more of God. And not just like in a way of like I heard more about God or like I listened to more worship on Spotify or um, I read more um, or I like showed up to more events. All of those are great things, right? Like we have events because we think it's amazing when God's people get together um, and encourage each other or have fun together, share a meal together, uh, go up to camp together. Uh, That's incredible. Spending time on Spotify worshiping is incredible. Reading the Bible is incredible. My hope for you is that you would experience more of the real thing, the true living God and the risen Lord Jesus Christ. And that's true of me as well. Um, because knowing Jesus is the best thing that's ever happened in my life, like full send. Um, knowing Jesus and walking with Jesus, getting to know him better is the best thing that could ever happen in your life. And here's what we know about him. He is love himself. He is patient with us. Uh, like if you're coming out of 2023 and you're like, that was not my best, uh, my best way of living <laughs> in 2023. Uh, do you know the good news is that his affection for you isn't determined by your choices in 2023. He's been categorically so clear about that his love for you is not swayed one way or the other by your performance. And that's good news, right? Like he is unchanging, right? Like you see on the screen behind me, new year, same God, right? Like sometimes we go into the new year, we're like, new year, new me, right? Like I'm going to make some new choices. I'm going to develop some new habits. I'm going to change, right? Because we are people that sometimes like we need change, right? It's like I, I tried and I failed, or I got into a pattern of behavior that was bad for me. Um, or I just want to strive for better. I want to improve. I want to move forward, right? But God is perfection himself. He is love himself. Like Jesus is the prince of peace. He's perfection. He's complete. He's not lacking anything. And as our years come and go, as we change and ebb and flow, we're entering a new year, but we've got the same God. He's consistent. He's never changing. And that's good news for us. And so my hope for you and for me is that in the year ahead that we would experience, that we would encounter more of God. And maybe you've been in a point in your life where you're like, that is exactly what I want. Uh, Maybe it was when you first encountered Jesus. Maybe um, you had an experience. Maybe um, you just like felt drawn to the Lord and you're like, okay, we're going to do this, right? And sometimes we get into... um, situations in our life, in in patterns in our life where we're really eager to experience the things of God. We're really excited to encounter him. Maybe we have some early success. Uh, Maybe you're up at camp and you have a powerful encounter with the Lord. Um, You come down the mountain and you're like, we're going to change some things. Like I'm going to put practice in my life where I'm going to walk in obedience. I'm going to walk it out. I'm going to spend deliberate time with the Lord. I'm going to spend time in the morning or time in the evening. And I'm going to pray. I'm going to talk about what's going on in my life with God. 
Uh, I'm going to talk about the things on my mind. I'm going to pray for other people. I'm going to get to know God. I'm going to get, I'm going to get to know his mind, his heart. Uh, and, I, and the way I'm going to find out how he thinks, what he loves, what he gets excited about is I'm going to read God's word. I'm going to discipline myself to read God, God's word. Maybe you've been in a spot where you're, say, where you're saying, like, God, I'm asking for change in my own heart, in my own mind. I, like, I need breakthrough. I need you to do something miraculous in my heart. Right? I need you to actually like enter my experience, enter my situation, um, and change something. Like I need to experience the real thing. I need you to show up and do something. Um, and we experience God powerfully when we do those things. But here's what I know to be true, and, and I would wager a lot of people in the room know to be true, is that God isn't beholden to our timeline on things. Right? Like sometimes we want to experience God. We want the breakthrough. We want the change. We want the encounter. We want the revelation. Um, but we want it on our timeline. Right? We want like, okay, I'm going to practice all of this obedience. Like I come back from camp and I'm excited to keep walking with God. Um, and I'm going to be walking obedient. Um, and for the first week you're like, I'm pumped. This is going great. And for the second week you're like, things are going good. And for the third week you're like, I'm still kind of waiting for something to change. The fourth week, you're kind of like, I don't, like, where are you, God? The fifth week, you're kind of like, I don't know if this obedience thing is really all it's cracked up to be. Um, and then by the sixth week, maybe you've gone to something else. Maybe you've kind of lost steam. Maybe you're on to the next, right? And there seems to be a disconnect sometimes between what we want to experience from God um, and what we do experience of God, if we're honest. Like, between our expectations and between what we experience. And sometimes we find ourselves in a situation where we're like, I'm not experiencing God. Like, I want to experience God, but I'm not experiencing God. And what do I do? And the reality is, is that when we get discouraged in our faith, we often lose momentum, um, and we begin to chase after other things. Amen? Like, isn't that true? Like, if you're, if you're going after the Lord, you're excited, you're passionate, maybe you come back from an experience, maybe you, were f you first encountered Jesus, you got saved, or you went to a camp, or you went to a worship night, um, and you experienced the real thing, and there's all of this excitement, there's all of this momentum, and there's all of this, like, me and the Lord are walking together, we're doing this thing. Um, and maybe there's this, like, early uh, experiential change on the front end, and as you walk longer, it, that momentum feels like it starts to dwindle. Right, that, that excitement feels like it starts to wane. And you kind of start to question with yourself, like, is this obedience for anything? Like, am I moving in this direction? Am I saying yes to the things that God says, tells me to say yes to? Am I saying no to the things that God tells me no to for anything? Or am I just kind of running a program? We start to question that. And sometimes even when we get discouraged in our faith, when we, when we don't see God operating on our timeline, sometimes we even start to go to other things. We start to explore other options. Okay, maybe, maybe it's not God. Maybe it's this person or th this experience or maybe it's the money or um, the parties or whatever. We, we sometimes go to other things. And here's what I want to tell you, my friends, is nothing will be better for your life than walking in obedience with the Lord, truly. Um, and I've had my seasons of really getting it right, and I've had my seasons of really getting it wrong, right? Like, I, you're hearing from a man who's experienced the, like, when I get discouraged in my face, sometimes I lose momentum. Sometimes I reach for other things that aren't good for me. And so here's what I want us to ask today, is when we're in those seasons where it doesn't make sense what God's doing, when it doesn't feel like he's, like, easily accessible, where it doesn't feel like the breakthrough has come for us yet, how do we proceed? Like, how do we expect, how do we experience, how do we encounter the miraculous? How do we interact with the real living God? How do we meet Jesus in that place? 
And so here's what I want us to do. I want us to look into a story of Jesus from the Gospel of John, right? Like you got the four first books of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Um, and those are the four gospel accounts. Gospel means good news. Many of you probably already know this, but I don't want to assume that everyone in the room is like a church whiz, right? Oftentimes we have people coming in here just with curiosity, and we love that. Um, and so Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are four different accounts of the same thing, the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And what I want us to look at today is in John chapter 2, and it's actually the first time in the gospel that Jesus does something miraculous, right? Like his first performed public miracle, and it happens at a wedding. And so if you would turn with me to the book of John, to chapter 2, starting in verse 1, um, you could do it in a paper Bible, a digital Bible, or we will throw it on the screen. But here's what it says in John chapter 2. It says, on the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. So in other words, um, there's a big party going on to celebrate a marriage. Anybody been to a wedding before? Woo, it's a good time, right? Well, hopefully it's a good time. It's like, you, you really pray for that, right? Like a wedding's really different where it's like, I'm not sure they should get married. But when it's like, yes, they should get married, it's the best thing in the world, right? Um, anybody ever been in a wedding? Any bridesmaids, groomsmen, flower girl, ring bear, all of that? Yeah, it's kind of fun, huh? No, <laughs> no, someday. Um, but so in the ancient world, weddings were like a big deal. Like oftentimes it would be like a week-long festival, I remember I got invited to this wedding once uh, with some friends, and they, well, let's be honest, they both came from quite a bit of money, and it was like a week-long thing. It was like they traveled us around, it was in upstate New York, they traveled us around on like buses, and they were like, at 10 a.m. we'll do archery out on the lawn, and then we've got yoga in the yoga bar. And I was like, this is crazy. Like, I've never in my life have I experienced a wedding like this. And it was like everything was catered. But honestly, like, that, that's a lot how the ancient world was. It was like, we're going to invite all our guests, and we're just going to have a days-long party. Um, and at some point in that, we're going to do the actual ceremony and we're going to celebrate this marriage. And so Jesus and his disciples and a ton of other people get invited to this wedding. It's funny because we don't hear about who the wedding was for. We just, the significance is they're at a wedding. So it says this, on the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus's mother was there and Jesus and his disciples had, had also been invited to the wedding. So in other words, M Mary, Jesus' mom, is there, but kind of separate from the group. And Jesus is also a guest with all of his disciples at the wedding. And so they're all invited to this wedding. And then a problem breaks out at the wedding. Perhaps you've heard this story before, but here's the problem that happens at the wedding. It says this in verse 3. When the wine was gone, uh-oh. Now, it might be weird for you in high school ministry to hear your high school pastor uh, talking about how wine being gone is a problem for a party. Uh, but they were a huge hospitality culture and a big festival culture. And for the wine to run out at a wedding is like a big oops, a big embarrassment, like a big social faux pas. Um, they definitely had more people show up than they accounted for or didn't purchase enough wine, right? And when the wine runs out, the party's momentum kind of like starts to run out. Uh, at least in this culture. Um, and people start to be like, why aren't you respecting your guests? Like it was a really big deal to take good care of your guests, to be hospitable, to be generous, all of that. And so it says the wine runs out before it's supposed to run out. They're out. It's like, sorry guys, we got water. Who stoked on water? And everyone's like, ah. And like the DJ starts playing slow music and it's kind of like, people are like, oh, I gotta go. Like we've got work in the morning, right? Like the party's starting to die out. Uh, and so it says this, when the wine was gone, Jesus' mother says to him, 
She just goes to him. I love this. Anybody have a mom who's like a little like, sweetie, come on. <laughs> right? Like Jesus' mom just goes to him and she's like, they don't have any more wine. <laughs> right? She's not like, Jesus, please do something about this. She's not like, hey, I feel so bad. She just kind of like brings the problem to Jesus. She's like, hey, sweetie, they don't have any more wine. And you're God. <laughs> Maybe do something about this. Uh, she's like, they don't have any more wine. And Jesus responds to his mother. And here's what he says. He says, woman, why do you involve me? Now, we have to pause. Because I think oftentimes you hear this with 2023, soon to be 2024 brain. Where it's like, what did he just say to his mom? Like, you hear this and it, he's like, you hear it with a tone of like, woman, why do you involve me? Right? And it's like, what? Like, God? But that is not his tone in this. Uh, what you need to know is in, in this culture, at, I, th- I would argue as it should be, to call someone woman to their face was actually a great sign of respect. Um, to say, woman, why do you involve me? It wasn't derogatory. It wasn't like, sit down, be quiet, right? It was like he was being respectful to his mother. Um, he's, so he says, woman, why do you involve me? My hour hasn't come yet. In other words, he's saying, like, it is not on my agenda today to start doing miracles, right? He's like, it's not time yet. Uh, That's not my plan. Like, there will be a time for miracles, um, but it's not today. But here's Mary at the wedding. There's a problem. She's come to Jesus. She's like, well, you're God. (laughs) Like, I know you can. I know you're good for it. Uh, Would you please? Um, And here's something important hidden in this story about wine at a wedding that I think is important for us to keep in mind. Um, And it's this. Jesus can be petitioned. And that's amazing. Like, Jesus is very much in a position where he says, you can come and present your requests to me. um, And I might do something about it. Right? Like, he's got his plan. He's always working things for our good. But right here in this story, Jesus' plan on his own was not to perform a miracle at this wedding. But Mary comes and she petitions him and he listens. He hooks her up. He does a miracle. He does his first miracle early because Mary petitioned him. And so I think sometimes we think like, oh, is prayer doing anything? Like if if God's all knowing, if he's all powerful, if his plan supersedes all things, should I even bother asking him? But right here we see the heart of Christ, that he can be petitioned. He's willing to be petitioned. Now just because you ask for something doesn't mean that he has to give it to you, but he's willing to be petitioned. He's willing to hear you out. He wants to hear your concerns. He wants to hear your heart. And so Mary comes to him in this situation, trying to help these people at this wedding. She's like, the wine's gone. Like, you can do something about this. Would you please do something about this? Um, Here's the next part that I love, is that she doesn't wait for Jesus' response. She just turns to the servants. In verse 5, it says this. His mother turned to the servants, and she goes, just do whatever he tells you. And then apparently, like, disappears into the crowd. She's like, he's going to hook it up. Just do what he tells you. Right? And so now the story shifts from Mary and Jesus and this faux pas at a wedding to now there's these servants who have been told that Jesus is the guy who can change the situation for them. Um, and they're, they're the center of this story now. But here's the thing that I want to just prime the pump of your mind with for this story. Is that oftentimes, almost always actually, when you see a miracle happen in the scriptures, miracles do not happen in a vacuum. Right? Like, there are, def- there are certainly like some healings where Jesus just shows up and he's like, you're healed. Uh, but most of the time, when you see a miracle in scripture, it doesn't happen in a vacuum. In other words, when God does the miraculous, he often requires us to act or participate in that. 
There's an invitation. There's an action that has to be taken, right? There's steps of obedience because miracles often don't happen in a vacuum. When God's going to act, he requires us to act with him. He wants us to partner with him. We see it all through scripture. You look at the story of Moses, right? Everyone's seen Prince of Egypt? Banger movie. Recommend. Holds up. Still good. Great soundtrack. Um, or just read the Bible. It's in Exodus. Great story. Um, but Moses, right? He was a fugitive who had murdered an Egyptian and he went off into the desert uh, kind of like laying low, became a shepherd. And God says, I'm going to do this miraculous thing, but you know what I require of you? You need to go back to Egypt, even though it might mean you face the music on the crime that you committed. Go with me, I'm doing something. Peter, right? Peter, one of the disciples of Jesus, famous for a lot of things, but one of the cool things that he got to experience was he walked on water with Jesus for a little bit. He took his eyes off Jesus, started to freak out and sank, and then Jesus rescued him. But he got, he's the only human that ever got to walk on water, at least in recorded biblical history. The only one is Peter. But you know what Peter had to do? He had to actually get out of the boat. Jesus didn't like snap him into the middle of the water. Jesus didn't drag him out of the boat. He said, get out of the boat and walk with me. And Peter had to get out of the boat and walk with him. Story of Jericho, right? Maybe you heard about Jericho. Israel marched around the walls of their enemy Jericho for seven days and then yelled and blew their horns and made loud noise and the walls came down. But what'd they have to do? They had to walk, march around that city for days, for days, probably being mocked probably being made fun of, probably a little worried that they were going to be like ambushed uh, when they rounded the next corner, right? Like they had to act, they had to participate. Noah had to build a boat by himself, a giant boat. Like miracles don't usually happen in a vacuum. God always invites us to participate with him. But here's the thing, when we participate with God, when we give him our trust, God loves to prove us right for trusting him. Right, like if you ever met someone who just like loves to prove you wrong and it's the most like ugh trait, or maybe like if you're honest, you've got some of that in your heart where it's like, I just love to prove that person wrong, right? And sometimes that can be like a motivating force of like, they said I couldn't and I'm gonna show them, right? But here's the thing, when you give God your trust, he's never trying to put you to shame. He loves to prove you right for it. Not always in your timeline, but he loves to prove you right when you put your trust in him. So moving on in this scripture, in verse 6, it says this. So you got Jesus, you got the servants. They've been instructed to do by like a guest at the wedding. So they have to choose if they're going to go along with this, right? Uh, this random woman's like, he'll help you figure out this problem. They don't really have any other options at this point. But they have to decide if they're in or out on Jesus. Uh, it says this. Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each one holding from 20 to 30 gallons. So do some mental calculating with me. If you have a vessel that can hold 20 to 30 gallons of water and it's made out of stone, do you think you can pick that vessel up? Probably not. Maybe you, you've been hitting the weights. <laughs> Probably not even you. A stone vessel that can hold 20 to 30 gallons. Guys, I have a water bottle that holds a gallon and it looks silly. It's so big. 20 to 30 gallons of water, a stone vessel, and there's six of them. Too heavy to move. And it says, Jesus said to the servants, fill these jars up. So they filled them to the brim. So this is their participation moment. The problem is there's no wine. Jesus sees these six stone vessels. Now, granted, that's 180 gallons of water to fill that up. 
180. You guys, anyone have like a hydro flask and you like stand at the thing at your fridge and it takes like longer than you'd hope to fill it up? You're just like, <laughs> you get your phone out, you're scrolling TikTok for a while, maybe it overflows. You're like, oh, shoot, right? 180 gallons of water to fill these vessels up to the top. And again, they have a wine problem, not a water problem. So they have to decide if they're going to be obedient. The other thing to keep in mind is this is the ancient world. There is no indoor plumbing. They can't just go to a tap and fill those vessels up. They have to do it one bucket at a time. And most likely, they had to march themselves down to the nearest well to do it. So these servants who have a wine problem are instructed by Jesus to fill six vessels with 180 gallons of water. And they have to decide if they're going to start and they have to decide if they're going to commit to the end. Right? And what does it say? It tells us that they did. It says they filled the water to the brim. But as you can imagine, it would take probably hours to do that. That was get the bucket, march down to the well, march back up, pour the bucket, go back to the well, fill it up, march back, pour the bucket over and over and over again. You can imagine they were probably tired. They were probably sweaty. There were probably moments where they like tripped and spilled the bucket right before they got to the vessel. And then they're like, ah, and had to go back and do it again. And it says that they did it over and over and over, not seeing the outcome at hand. Jesus, Jesus didn't tell them. He's not like, fill them up to the brim and I'll transform it into wine. Mary just says, do what he says. They do it. They walk in faith and obedience over and over. They go to the well, they come back. They go to the well, they come back. They go to the well, they come back. Imagine. My phone's playing classical music. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> it's beautiful. Imagine you're like the caterer at this wedding. It's like, we've got this wine problem. And rather than be like, find the nearest vineyard. It's like all of your servants are like, we're on this water quest. <laughs> like, you good with that? <laughs> right? Like, you could imagine there was probably even people being like, why are you, you're not fixing the problem. You're being an idiot. You're wasting time. The party's dying. Like, what are you doing? But they commit to it and they keep walking in obedience until the job is done. And I wonder, this is speculation, but I wonder if they had filled up a hundred gallons of water and then given up and like, I don't think this is going anywhere. I wonder if we would have this miracle. I don't know. I would guess not, honestly, but they went until the job was done. And it's, a, it's, a, it's kind of a confronting question, honestly, of like, what if they stopped halfway um, and missed out on the miracle? And I think it's confronting, at least for me, because like, I have moments in my life that I can look at, back at and be like, I stopped halfway. Right, like I was, I was moving in obedience. I moved towards the Lord. I was believing in faith that I was going to experience something powerful, whether it was breakthrough, whether it was deeper intimacy with Him, whether it was a breakthrough for someone that I love that I had been really petitioning for. Right, and it's like I'm going, I'm going, I'm going, and then I'm starting to get tired. I'm going, I'm going, I'm tripping, I drop the bucket. I'm going, I'm going, and then someone tells me I'm wasting my time. I should go to other things. And what if I stop halfway and I miss the miracle? Right? And I don't want to live that kind of life. Um, but here's what we see. We see that these servants did not stop halfway, that they saw it through to the end until it, until it was done. And here's what happens. It says this. It says, they did so. And the master of the, oh, it says, then he told them, now draw out some of the water and take it to the master of the banquet. In other words, their job is done. They've got six stone things full of water. And Jesus is like, great. 
draw some of the water and take it to the master of the banquet. So again, the miracle has not happened. Uh, they are filled with water at this moment. And Jesus is like, now go to the, the head honcho and present the water to him. Um, you could imagine that would be a scary, perhaps a vulnerable thing to do. Like they've already committed hours to this task that seems like it's going nowhere. Uh, and they have to draw the water. They're looking at it. They're like, this is a cup of water. This is water. And they take it to the master of the banquet and they're supposed to present it to him. As like, we solved the problem. Here you go. Uh, but he says, take it to the master of the banquet. Um, and here's what happens. It says, they did so. They trusted and they obeyed. And the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. We don't know when that happened. We don't see it happen, actually. Somewhere between them saying yes and getting the water and handing it to him and it hitting the master's lips, it happened. We don't see it happen, but it happened. And it says, he did, he did not realize where it had come from but the servants who had drawn the water knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, everybody brings out the choice wine, or in other words, the, the good stuff. He's like, here's the common thinking of weddings in the ancient world. We're gonna serve them the expensive stuff up front. And then when they get buzzed, drunk, we'll serve them the cheap stuff and they won't notice the difference. That was the thinking at the time. Um, that's how you would do it, right? It's like, well, we just kind of spend a lot on the front end, and then when people are a little happy, we'll give them the cheap stuff, and they'll just, they'll go home thinking they had a great time and that it was all good, right? He says, that's how we do it here. It says he, but he says, he called the bridegroom aside and said, everyone brings out the choice wine first and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink, but you've saved the best till now. Like, this is the best wine I've ever had. This is like, this, we shouldn't be serving this. We should be selling this. This is way too good for this wedding, right? He says, you saved the best till now. And in verse 11, it says this, what Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory. And his disciples believed in him. And it, it says at the end here, it says, it, the first of miracle in which he revealed his glory. And here's what we always need to remember when the Lord acts. It's always about two things. Um, he's always gonna act for your good, to be sure. And sometimes your good and your want are different, right? Like sometimes we get disciplined when we're getting a little out of control, right? Sometimes we get blessed and that's a lot more enjoyable. Uh, but when God acts, it's always for our good and it's always about his glory. And it says, this was the first miracle in which he revealed his glory. And so when we're asking for something from God, when we're praying for breakthrough or revelation or experience, we have to remember what motivates the heart of Christ. And what motivates the heart of Christ is he always wants what's good for you, and he always wants his glory to be revealed to a watching world, to you and to the people around you in your life. It concludes, it says this, after, he went down, after this, he went down to Capernaum with his mother and brothers and disciples, and they stayed there a few days. Here's the question that I want to ask you guys um, as we kind of wrap up. And if you're in the band, you can make your way up to the stage. Um, but here's what I want to ask you, and really here's what I want you to ask yourself, um, is this. What might God be asking you to do in 2024, one bucket at a time? Uh, not just like a one-time thing, not like a grand gesture. I'm talking about like the slow, costly, patient obedience of following God one bucket at a time. What might God be asking you to do in 2024, one bucket at a time? 
And so let me give you some examples. Maybe you're in the room and you're like a guest with us this morning and you're like, I don't consider myself a Christian. This is all pretty interesting. I'm kind of investigating for myself. Um, and if there is a God to be known, I want to know him. Maybe that's you. Maybe that's where you're at. And I would encourage you, maybe your one bucket at a time is I'm just going to keep asking questions. I'm going to keep investigating. I'll keep coming to, to this church or another church. Or I'm going to sit down with somebody um, who really believes the Bible and I'm going to ask them questions about it because I want to understand Right, like maybe your one bucket as, at a time is I'm just going to keep investigating until I get to the truth, whatever it is. Maybe you're someone and you're in a position where you love Jesus, but your faith feels a little stale. Uh, maybe it feels like, you, like if your faith was a ship, there's no wind in the sails right now. It's just kind of like dead water and there's no momentum. Um, and, and what I want to pose to you is maybe for you, your one bucket at a time is, as we kick off this new year, I'm, I'm just going to keep going to small group. I'm going to keep showing up to my small group, even if it doesn't feel um, like I had like an oh wow light bulb moment, like struck by lightning of the divine at small group. I'm just going to keep going faithfully. Or maybe for you, it's I'm just going to discipline myself to keep reading my Bible. There's other things that feel more like mentally exciting to me right now, uh, but I'm just going to build it into my schedule. I'm going to discipline myself. I'm going to keep reading my Bible one day at a time, one bucket at a time. I'm going to keep filling those jars in expectation of the miraculous. Maybe for you, it's like you have somebody that you've been praying for um, and you're not seeing, a, a, like, a, they're not budging an inch. Um, they're still in a pattern of behavior. They're still closed-minded. They're still doing something hurtful to you. You want them so badly to know Jesus, and they just seem totally disinterested. Maybe you're one bucket at a time. Is I'm just going to keep praying for them every day. I'm going I'm to take five minutes. Um, I'm not going to make a big deal about it. Um, maybe I don't even tell them about it. I'm just going to discipline myself to pray for them. Or maybe it's I'm going to keep inviting them. I invited them once. They said no. Um, and usually we're like, great, I will never attempt it again. Uh, maybe for you, your one bucket at a time is respectfully, I'm going to invite them again. Don't stop halfway. Whatever that thing is that's your one bucket at a time in 2024, it would be a terrible shame if you started but didn't finish, if you stopped halfway. And here's the reality, guys. Like, again, whenever we have a conversation like this, it's so important to remind you obedience is not the qualifier uh, for God's love. You can't lose God's love by making mistakes, by getting disinterested, right? Like there's nothing you can do to make God love you less. There's nothing you can do to earn like extra credit on God's love. He loves you, right? Like if you're in Christ, signed, sealed, delivered, you're his. So it's not about earning your place with him. It's about a posture of wanting to walk with him and experience him and deepen your relationship with him. And that's my prayer for you. That's my prayer for us as we go into 2024. And so here's what I want to do. I want us to pray together. I'll lead us. Uh, I want to pray that this would become, this kind of everyday, slow, costly obedience would be the DNA of who we are in HSM. Um, and if you're in agreement with that prayer at the end, um, would you say amen? Amen means so, so shall it be, basically. Like, I agree to this. I want this as well. And so at the end, would you just say amen to it? And we'll turn to a time in worship. Lord, thank you um, that you are powerful. Thank you um, that there's nothing beyond your grasp or your control. God, thank you. Um, that you love to prove us right when you give us, when we give you our trust. Thank you that you're always working for our good and to reveal your glory. And God, 
an HSM in our lives um, and onward for the rest of our existence. God, we want more of you. Um, and so, God, would you help our hearts to desire more of you? Would you help us to fall in deeper love uh, with your gospel? Would you give us a passion for it? And would you make us good at telling it to people? Um, would you make us bold and brave? And would you give us the grit to keep walking when we feel discouraged, to keep moving forward in obedience uh, when we're tired um, or weary from the journey? God, would you help us to fix our eyes on the prize and the prize is you? And so, God, would you tell us, would you convict us, What's our one bucket at a time? Uh, it's probably different for a lot of us, but God, um, would you just drop that into our minds, into our hearts um, in this moment, today, in the days to come? Um, God, would you tell us what our one bucket at a time is? Um, and would we carry it to the end? Uh, because you carry us to the end, God. There's nothing um, that you give up on in us. When you start a good work, you finish it. Uh, and so would you give us some of that grit, that determination um, to stay the course and see you do wonders. And so, Lord, um, we love you. Uh, and we thank you and we turn our attention to you in this time of worship. Um, and we ask you to do all these things in Jesus' name. And so it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us here on the Calvary HSM podcast. We would love if you could connect with us on social media using the handle at CalvaryHSM805 on Instagram or going to our website, calvarywestlake.org slash HSM. We always have fun things going on and we want you to be a part.